Listening to the Pre-Med Perspectives Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Pre-Med Perspectives. I'm Lassia and today I'm joined by a really special guest. Today I'm joined by Deepthi Sanku who is in her gap year right now but graduated from the University of Michigan as a pre-medical student last year. So right now she's in her gap year and she's applying to medical school which we're going to talk a little bit about but we're just going to take a, t- a trip back to her undergraduate experience and kind of go and talk about why she kind of decided to be pre-med and the decisions she made along the way and kind of just reflect on that to give you an outsider's perspective on the complete undergraduate pre-medical experience. Thank you so much for joining me today, Deepthi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. So to kick off our discussion, um, uh, we were talking a little bit off air about how you kind of had a hard time deciding if you wanted to be pre-med or not and I think it's a super fair uh, kind of thing to ponder upon before you start your uh, undergrad experience so tell us a little bit about how you kind of landed on the pre-med card. I mean to be fair I went into college divided Um, I was deciding between business and pre-med, obviously two very, very different fields. And I kind of started on pre-med. So I kind of wanted to see where that would take me. And I feel like obviously your undergrad isn't the most fun. Your classes are hard, all that kind of stuff. But I guess what really made me decide pre-med and really like set like my mind on it and be completely sure um, was after I shadowed, after I actually got clinical experiences and spoke to doctors, I kind of had that realization that even though people see like being a physician as so objective and you go in, you have to know all these things, all these facts. The really cool part that I kind of understood was that it's a very like social career path. So much of these physicians days just involve like talking um, to patients, making them feel comfortable. It's almost just like forming friendships and those bonds. And I feel like that's what I really kind of wanted out of a career. I didn't want to go into something else that made me have to like present myself in a certain way. I feel like this career was meant for people who want to like form these relationships and stuff like that. So that's kind of what made me like for sure set my mind to it. Um, I love talking to people. I just love making friends. And I feel like that a lot of this path being a physician involves that, which many people don't realize. So yeah, that's kind of why. (laughs) I think it's really important to realize that one of the few career paths in the entire options of career uh, paths that actually tell the complete honest truth to their clients are physicians. And I think um, we can agree that those are kind of reasons that drew us kind of both in uh, to this experience. So starting off as a first year in undergrad, how did you kind of go about picking your classes, figuring out what activities you needed to do? Do you feel like you had a lot of guidance or did you kind of feel like you're just trying to explore the seas on your own? I definitely felt like going to U of M, well, any really big school um, is overwhelming at the start. You know, I feel like after 
meeting people that were on the same career path, it was both a benefit and it hurt me in a little way just because that when you meet so many different people with their own experiences, they all give you what they did. And oftentimes it's very, very different what everyone did their own path. And I feel like that's very overwhelming because you feel like you need to do something a certain way in order to be successful because you've seen it work like that before. Um, and I feel like that was the mindset that I had freshman year to like cling on to as much information as possible that everyone's giving you because that works. Um, but I don't think that that was definitely the perspective to go into. It was very easy for my for me to find people to give me advice. We had counselors too. I mean, I can't say that <laughs> my counselors were exceptionally helpful, but I think the most benefit I did gain was from other people. But at the same time, it would be overwhelming just because all these older people who seem to be successful currently where they are did things and I wanted to be like them, but balancing so much and having kind of an overload of information also hurt. Um, I think that if I could go back and do my freshman year a little bit differently, I definitely, you know, would still talk to people, but not have that mindset of I have to mimic them or like just do everything exactly like they did. Um, because people have different paths. That's why I was given so much information because everyone did their own thing. So I think kind of realizing that would have given me better clarity. But, you know, it's a lot at once. It's your freshman year. I mean, people are made to make people are meant to make mistakes. That's what your freshman year is for. So I think overall it was a good learning experience. Yeah, I think that what you said about not trying to mimic what other people did that ended up being successful is so important. Um, the other day I was talking to a M2 at Case Western and he was he's someone who kind of took a gap year and the reason he said he had to take a gap year is because when he was a freshman is like the person he looked up to told him that you know all you need to do uh, clinical like looking at doctors wise is just shadow once every year and that's kind of what he did because he's like okay this girl ended up going to med school I'm gonna do the same thing (laughs) it's funny because the his application cycle came around and he's kind of just explaining that the reason people were citing that he didn't get into medical school because his first cycle he didn't get in anywhere was because he had absolutely no clinical experience and he was like if only I kind of did my own research and figured things on my own you know I would have possibly had a different outcome. So I think your freshman year, it is super overwhelming. You kind of don't know how the next four years are going to go, but it's important to look at other people, but at the same time, kind of pave your own path and do your own objective research. Because like you said, everyone can do the exact opposite things, but end up at the same place. So it's hard to say what works hundred percent because nothing works a hundred percent but um given that you know how did you you talked about having a lot of different things to balance um throughout school how did you figure out this balance and how did you do well enough in your classes to you know you didn't get weeded out like you made it to, to the end um how did how did you manage to do that so I can definitely say it was after my sophomore year there was definitely a moment of clarity for me Um, So here comes again the story of me listening to other people. Um, My second semester sophomore year, I took, well, I technically took this job in the summer going into sophomore year, but I was a scribe. Um, And the specific company I worked for, you know, it's well known, but they were extremely understaffed in where I was working, the branches I was working at. And when I initially applied, they were like, all right, 
you'll work like 20 hours a week. It's part-time. You can do less if you want. I was like, sure, that sounds great. Um, come around to when I'm actually fully trained, which is my second semester of sophomore year. It was just a train wreck. Like I would work probably 30 to 40 hours a week, um, every week. And I'd have night shifts and I would tell them, I'd be like, okay, I have class at 8 a.m. So because I had class at 8 a.m., they would schedule me a night shift from 11, a light night shift from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. saying, hey, you can go to class at eight. <laughs> so it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I liked it and I thought you know everyone's telling me this is such a great experience to have it's so unique like okay honestly everyone everything that everyone does being pre-med nothing is that unique I mean things are unique but this was not ascribing is not like something that's stand out like only a few people do it you know um but it was cool because it was one of the first legit clinical jobs that I had gotten um, but I tried to balance it and I did it till the end of my second semester. And I can definitely say by far my second semester sophomore year academically was the worst I've ever done in my life. It was so hard to prioritize work with school. Like oftentimes school would just be completely on the back burner, which one of my biggest regrets, like seeing my grades fall and thinking I could just kind of juggle and make it work. It didn't work. Like it absolutely did not work. Um, and I think having that huge academic dip gave a lot of clarity. And I quit my job before the next academic year started. So my junior year. And I think after that, I realized like kind of forming a balance involves like a lot of things. But one of the really most important things, which people don't really think about a lot is just having time for yourself. I feel like in college, especially being a pre-med, you're always under the pressure of, I need to do this. And if I'm not doing this, I have to do this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but something that helped me balance a lot was actually just saving time to do things that I like. Like I love cooking. Like that's something that I always have liked. Um, and just kind of saving time for myself, kind of improve my mental like state as well. I think that was really important in finding a balance. And I also think like just kind of learning prioritization, putting school above, um, other things as well is yeah. important as well. But I definitely feel like kind of falling at first, having that terrible experience my second semester sophomore year was a very clarifying moment. And I honestly, I can't say if I didn't have that experience, would I be where I am now? Because my grades like up till then were not great. Like, especially after that semester, we're not great. Um, but right after that, it, I can safely say I was doing very well. Um, and I can't say that it would have been the same if I didn't go through that terrible, terrible time of my life. So yeah, I think that was, you saw the light at the end of the tunnel somehow. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. It was awful. I, especially then, like, I remember I was talking to my parents, my family, my sister. Um, I had like a horrible mental breakdown at the, like in the middle of my second semester, sophomore year, kind of debating, switching and things like that. And my parents very supportive of whatever I wanted to do. They were like, you need to quit your job. But I was super stubborn. I didn't want to listen to them. And I did it. And at the end of the semester, you know, I learned for myself. And I feel like sometimes, even though it sucks in the moment, like, having failure kind of motivates you to do better and gives you that perspective um, of what needs to change. So that's kind of how I learned how to balance. <laughs> oh, I definitely agree with you. I think sometimes you do need to fall a little bit. And as long as you get right up, the falling was totally worth it. But I think that a lot of times people don't realize that, I mean, academically, if you aren't where you need to be like unfortunately people get screened out real fast because of that versus right. not having like 
500 hours of scribing isn't really going to keep you out of medical school. And I think people- Exactly, exactly. And people like when you're younger and I, yeah, like we were, I was a lot younger, at least then you don't realize that, like you don't exactly understand and, you know, grades are very important. Like you need to keep them up and kind of learn like what to prioritize over the other. And again, it's a very big learning curve. I can't even say like freshman year was learning curve as well, but I can't say I truly, truly learned how to balance until after my sophomore year. That was definitely my turning point. Yeah. And I think as when you're younger, what you don't realize is pre-meds who feel like they didn't do academically well in undergrad actually have to pay for another degree or post-bac programs and exactly. that is not something I also realized freshman year I mean or freshman sophomore year I mean not that I needed to realize that at any point but I, I didn't I didn't know that people were spending all this extra time and money just to get their GPA um, above a certain point to feel comfortable to apply to med school so I think one of the things that I think we do try to harp on as grades, especially on the podcast is grades aren't everything, but at a certain point, if all the other things you're doing are bringing down your grades, that's a point where you have to step back and be like, all right, like maybe I just do this <laughs> over the summer when um, I don't have that much going on. But tell me a little bit about kind of the shift you made due to your year. You know, you talk about a little bit how doing what you like kind of gave you mental clarity and helped you perform better. Uh, What were some other experiences that you felt really shaped your undergraduate experience and put you on the path of, you know, applying to med school and getting into med school? Yeah, I mean, my junior year, first semester, I can say I studied extremely differently than how I used to. I felt like during my freshman and sophomore year, it was more like, okay, if you watch the lectures, watch all of them and take your notes, like you'll be fine. You're doing everything, you know, you'll be okay. But junior was when I realized like that is not enough for me. Like, I don't know if that's enough for someone else, um, but that wasn't enough for me. So I definitely changed my studying patterns. I took great advantage of office hours for a lot of professors. I went to like extra class. I remember for Orgo, um, there, there was something called Friday night, like Friday night Orgo or something like that. So it would be like literally Friday from like 5 to 8 p.m., um, just extra like practice, like a, basically an extra lecture where you go into this huge lecture hall and they go through practice problems with you. So I saw myself doing like more than just the minimum going the extra mile. And it was very rewarding to see like, oh, my extra studying and actual like understanding of the concepts is paying off because just doing the minimum is not enough. It wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. It could be for someone else. Um, I think that you have to find that balance of what worked with you. And that's not the same for everyone, but sometimes you do have to put in that extra mile in order to get where you want to be. That was kind of what I realized first semester. And that's what I carried out with me throughout the rest of my college. Um, But second semester, I actually went abroad, which was a great mental break for me, particularly. Um, I knew I knew that if I was going to go abroad, I had to take a gap year because I wouldn't get my uh, pre-med prereqs done in time. Um, So I made that decision. I was like, you know, like, this is my one opportunity in doing something like this. So I went abroad and I took all my major courses there. And I could say that was a great mental reset that I needed to just with my first two years, with my struggling through the first two years, I think I needed that sort of break. Um, So when I came back, I felt like very ready to kind of take on everything else, all my other pre-med classes. And I can 
safely say, I mean, I don't know if that was why, but I can safely say I did very well after returning. So those were kind of the two big things that changed. Hello, everyone. This is Lassia. Hope you're enjoying the episode thus far. I'm chiming in to remind you that we are sponsored by Pillar Prep Test Prep, the home of empowered MCAT test retakers. So if you find yourself in a position where you think you need to retake the MCAT, definitely check out Pillar Prep. They will talk to you and assess whether you really need to do a retake and how exactly you can strategize your retake. And if you like what they say, go ahead and sign up with their course. To learn more about the program I've just mentioned, you can visit www.pillartestprep.com slash the-retaker-course to learn more helpful tips about the MCAT. And use code all caps pre-med perspective for 20% off the course. I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. In my life, my junior year. Yeah, I think it's also important to, I mean, I totally resonate with people who can just passively kind of watch the lecture and like not even write down what's going on in the lecture, but just passively watch the lecture <laughs> and they do like very well. Um, my mind doesn't work like that either. And I definitely think that People are really shy to go to office hours, but also I don't think people realize that when you go to office hours, you get really good letters of recommendations out of them. Yes, yes, 100%. I can say that like the only professors that have ever written my letters of rec were all people that I got very close to because I spent extra time with them. And I can like, I haven't read these letters, but I can 100% say that like if someone didn't go to office hours and asked a professor to write a letter of rec and they like literally only know that student's name, it is like not like med schools can see that. They can see straight through that because like this other professor I had, he was my histology professor from, I think, senior year. Um, he got to know me throughout the whole semester. He wrote me a letter of rec. And he, like, when he was writing, he asked so much about me because he knew me well enough, but he wanted to make the letter um, more personal. So he just asked about my life, like my interests, things like that, on top of just knowing how I was as a student. And I feel like the professors that know you well enough will go that extra mile for you, um, opposed to someone who's maybe like they've seen their face like once in a Zoom call. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely that difference. And I feel like when med school committees read your letters of rec, they can see like straight through it and what's really genuine and what's more like, oh, I just needed a letter of rec. Like this is all I could get. <laughs> No, definitely. And I think it's also, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but if you're kind of younger pre-med, it's something you definitely need to think about because, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, a lot of med schools require you to have like what, two letters from a pure science teacher or Mm -hmm. some like really like specific requirement. And if you don't kind, it sounds bad, but like, if you don't try to like make that effort really hard and make those kind of professional friendships whatever you right, want right right you're kind of screwed um at the no, end you are yeah there's a lot of people like a lot of your professors won't even write you the letter if like you don't go to their office hours which um would be terrible if you were ready to apply and the only reason you couldn't apply is uh because you didn't have those letters <laughs> of recommendations like that'd be really sad but you talk a little oh, bit yeah. about sorry but you talk a little right, bit about right. You talk a little bit about um, how you kind of knew you had to take a gap year once you decided to go abroad. Uh, What other decisions kind of led you to wanting to take a gap year? And what are you doing during your gap year to kind of keep busy and uh, strengthen your 
I guess, resume? Yeah. So first, the Australia thing, I went abroad to Australia for that semester. So I knew I had to take a gap year. Um, but I also did not feel confident applying like you know, without taking gap year, just because I wouldn't have my senior year grades in. And once I changed my studying habits, I knew I was like, all right, senior year, it's going to be so much better than the first two years of my college experience. And it went as planned. So I'm glad it did. Um, but I definitely didn't feel confident with where I was after, like, if I were to just have applied my junior year. So that's kind of why I decided two big reasons why I decided to take the gap year. Um, but now I live in Chicago, which is a big change. It's exciting. Um, and I do clinical research at Northwestern's um, Feinberg School of Medicine, and it's uh, all with transplant patients. So it's really interesting uh, just being a research assistant and research coordinator on some studies. Um, but it's nice because they don't just put you on one. I'm on five and it's hectic, but I feel like honestly, everyone says, oh, I work well under pressure on a resume, but I feel like having a job and actually being put in it like this, um, I can safely say, yeah, I do work well under pressure because there's always so much to do. It's very exciting because, you know, if something new pops up every day, it's not the same thing, um, but I really enjoy it. That's what I do now. That's a really interesting perspective. I've never really been thought about, a lot of times people like that I talk to that take gap years are people who are like, I really didn't get a chance to do X, Y, and Z um, in these three years or, oh, I really just wanted to know clinical experience. I have no shadowing. Like I need to go do that during a year. I want to work because I need money to apply. But I think that's a really good point that a lot of people don't realize is that if you don't plan on taking a gap year, you only have six semesters worth of grades and if mm -hmm. like most people you kind of had a little bit of a learning curve your freshman year it can be a little bit tough to feel confident but I think that we've had a lot uh we've not a lot we've had a, a few deans of admissions on our podcast and if you listen to those episodes and they're kind of like don't fret like everyone messes up their freshman year it's more about you know like the slope uh, rather than, you know, the, the final product. But that's definitely interesting um, for you have to have taken a gap year to kind of make that slope a little steeper. Yeah, for sure. And I think like safely, if anyone saw my sophomore year to my senior year, it's just, it's funny. Like it's, it's nice um, just to kind of see that transformation. It is frustrating at the same time to know that what I did freshman and sophomore year could have been avoidable if I had thought in a different perspective. But at the same time, when you're so young, you're kind of meant to make mistakes. And it is that learning curve and that learning curve kind of goes with an upward trend. So it's nice to see it eventually pay off. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about uh, your experience at the MCAT. You talk a lot about your GPA. Um, how did that go for you? Yeah. So I took my MCAT my senior year. Um, that was when I was kind of done with all the prereqs and stuff like that, but it was, I can't say it was fun. It was not fun, but it was definitely interesting. Um, for me, I ended up taking it in, in a, April. So I originally meant to take it in March um, of my senior year. So right before I graduated, I actually took it. Um, but I kind of realized that everyone said this to me too. They were like, you don't really do your best like studying until like the month before the exam. And I think the MCAT 
was a very small taste of what med school was like. And although it was pretty awful, it gave me that confidence, like having gone through it to know that I can take exams like that in med school as well. Um, so that was really reassuring. That was probably one of the greatest benefits I got out of it. By the end of the MCAT, I was like, you know what? I don't even know my score, but I am not retaking it. That was, I was dead set on that. I was like, you know, I gave it all I had. I think the MCAT is a test of, just kind of like emotional strength as well. You have to like yeah. be able to like believe in yourself. There's no way you're going to get through it if you constantly think I'm not going to improve. Um, it is slow at first, but once you start kind of getting the hang of it, it's such a rewarding feeling as well. Um, but yeah, I ended up taking it my second semester of my senior year right before I graduated and then just never, never, ever looked back. <laughs> I was like, this is good. I'm fine. I'm done. But- yeah, no, I can't even blame you. But I mean, the thing about the MCAT that like, is that like you said it's a huge boost that you could actually do it and I think a lot of times people look at it and they're like oh my god it is an eight hour day like doing this it's like don't let people scare you um I think when push comes to pull like you said uh you kind of your body kind of gets used to it and I think like you said it is emotionally draining not necessarily because of what you have experienced more so because of what everyone's conditioned you to feel like about the exam I don't know if that makes any sense but I think it's like the hype surrounding the MCAT is what stresses a lot of people out I think versus the actual exam itself no I agree and I feel like that's very like I know we kind of talked about this earlier um way before but I feel like that's very consistent in all aspects of being a pre-med as well, just constantly taking in what other people say um, and letting that get to your head. And that is honestly something that'll do way more damage than you think um, around the MCAT. Yeah. But just like hearing everyone speak about, you should be doing this, 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 and this, like it's, it's so hard in the moment when you, you are a pre-med to realize that you have your own path something will work for you. Like you need to figure it out on your own. It's so hard to accept that. Um, but yeah, it, I completely agree. People put so much hype around all of this and you're just like, take it. you feel stressed at the idea of how you are supposed to like act. And it's just like, it's the worst feeling ever. Um, but once you kind of reach that clarity again, you'll, you know, everyone, you'll be fine. Like you'll be completely fine. Yeah. I mean, we have, well, her episode's not out yet, but it'll be out. Her name is Maria Green. She goes to MSU Com. She talked about taking the MCAT three times. And one of the main things she said was like, the first time I took it, I kind of just did what everyone told me to do. And it really didn't work for me. And it really stressed me out to try to be so much like everyone that scored well that it actually made me kind of score poorly because I wasn't actually seeing what I needed to do for myself so now I really like the message that we're putting out today that's like really just it's good to be cognizant of the general trends that med school applicants follow but you kind of need to make that trend your own and figure it out for yourself because it's just so draining uh trying so hard to be like someone else or following this path that you is is really not an actual path but you think is just the highway uh to medical school no I I fully a hundred percent agree with that I think you know, at the end of the day, these med school, like admissions committees are going to see your application. And it's hard to believe this. Like, I never believe this until I was applying. But so many people put it in your head that, you know, it's all grades, it's all academic. And like, yeah, again, you said it earlier, it is a big part. But I genuinely do feel like 
med schools like they really try to get a holistic view of you and I've seen like in my interviews like the schools that I didn't like really feel like I fit in with like they they felt the exact same way about me so it is a very like like in the whole grand scheme of things like everyone has like their place like that is meant for them and like I feel like you know it's just really really like difficult to kind of have that acceptance but like these schools do care about you as a person and I honestly didn't believe that until now but I can like very forwardly say that that is genuinely true like that's what you probably it's a cliche that people say oh they look at the whole like whole like holistic view of you like whatever but I didn't believe it until now so I can I can very much vouch for that Definitely. And I think one thing that kind of drives that message home is the medical school admissions process is very arduous and very draining, not only for you, but for the admission committees and for the schools that are conducting these application cycles. Think about it. They read your primary. They read your secondary. They invite you to an interview. They give your interview case, interview file, and the rest of your files to many different people to review. They literally sit in a boardroom and discuss you for for ample periods of time before they make a decision. If the decision was that easy and it was that much based on statistics, they would not be putting the time, money, resources, and expertise into doing this entire cycle the way they are doing. Like, I think that's a point that a lot of people don't realize. It is extremely expensive. It is extremely time consuming uh, and extremely resource heavy to put on interview days and to even put on an application cycle and those things wouldn't be really necessary if they were just looking at numbers so I think it like you said it took you a while to realize but I think the sooner people realize that the sooner you can be a little bit more confident in your abilities whether you have a 4.0 or whether you don't Um, and I think that that can a lot of people can go to sleep easy at night knowing that Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Agreed. It's hard to accept it, but I'm here telling you. And when you guys, whoever is listening to this gets to where I am, they will definitely believe it as well. I can say that confidently. Yeah. So thank you so much, Deepthi, for joining me today. Congratulations on your acceptances so far. We're wishing you the best of luck in the rest of your medical school experience. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah. So to our listeners, um, thank you so much for tuning in today. We'll talk to you again next Friday. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. Bye guys.